Success stories and interviews with game changers and thought leaders who have overcome both in life and in business. Welcome to Vertical Momentum. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Vertical Momentum. I am your host, Richard Kaufman, also known as the Comeback Coach. Guys, you know when I have people on, it's somebody that's changing the game and thought leaders. But guys, I want to thank our sponsors. Without them, we would not be able to have this show. There's a company out there. It's actually a 5013C organization called A Warrior's Garden. And they actually help veterans that are struggling with PTSD, traumatic brain injuries, and depression. They help them get their feet, their hands dirty in the soil and actually help them get back on the road to recovery. So definitely check out a warrior's garden guys this is going to be a fun episode um, with a new friend of mine that i just met and i'm so excited he's done some great things in uniform and even better out of uniform guys i'd like you to welcome my new friend travis arnold what's up brother what's going on richard can you hear me all right oh i hear you perfectly brother how are you uh, could not be any better to be honest man you're man you're so you're a busy busy man huh Indeed, yeah. I, I think the about the last two months, it's been about 120 hours a week between full-time job and starting my own business. So, nonstop. So, you're a glutton for punishment, huh? Indeed, yep. Hurry up and wait. Uh, doesn't work out, out well. It's hurry up and get something done. I love that. And I love your product, and we'll talk about that a little bit. So, tell us a little bit, where are you from and what kind of little kid was Travis? So I am now in Orange County, California, the most beautiful part of California, I might add. Um, Not from here originally. Uh, I was born and raised up in northern Wisconsin. Uh, Made my way through Arizona. I was a deputy sheriff down in uh, Nogales, Arizona for about 10 years. Um, Been all over. Uh, So, yeah, but now Orange County is home. So what kind of little kid were you growing up? Uh, the one that uh, liked to get in trouble but couldn't because his dad was a cop as well. So, um, no, I, 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 I'm very tech-oriented. I've always been fascinated with uh, uh, technology. You know, I remember probably five or six years old when my dad came home with the original Nintendo Entertainment System. Yeah, I started dissecting computers when I was about 10 years old. I started building websites when I was 14. Um, and that was kind of even my first run in with uh, trying to start a business when I was about 14. And, you know, I went around to some local uh, businesses and asked if they needed a website. And and this was back in, you know, the mid 90s, right when the dot com boom was going on. So everybody said yes. And so there I was, instead of going around shoveling driveways or cutting uh, the lawns in the summer, I was building websites for people. And so... When you were in high school, were you an athlete? Were you a, a studious kind of kid or both? Both. Um, I didn't have any crazy GPA by any means. And while I played sports, I, I wasn't necessarily good at it. So it was one of those things as I was about to graduate, I knew that I was not going to get a scholarship for academics or athletics. So that was definitely one of the big reasons why I was uh, oriented to joining the military. So tell me, your, you know, I love hearing everybody's recruiting stories. Tell me your recruiting story. 
Yeah. So just, just before my senior year in high school, um, you know, I'd avid football player. I'd played all, all four years of high school. And one of our coaches, uh, he was the first sergeant for a local infantry national guard unit. And he kind of pulled me to the side and he's like, Travis, what's, uh, what's your plan? Um, you know, what are you going to be doing when you get done with high school? And I hadn't given it any thought. Web design was definitely where I thought I was going to be going. And so like, yeah, I'm going to be going to college, going to be studying web design and going from there. And he's like, well, you know, have you, have you given it any thought about how you're going to pay for college? I'm like, yeah, probably just a bunch of student loans. Um, he's like, okay. He's like, well, you know, obviously you're not going to get a football scholarship. Um, and, you know, if you're not going to qualify for an academic scholarship, why don't, why don't you give the, the National Guard a shot? And uh, so, yeah, this is the summer right before my senior year, so uh, 2001. Um, and so I went home and I told my parents about it, and they said, absolutely, go for it. You know, this was still, you know, now June of 2001. So July 1st, 2001, I was at MEPS, uh, rose my right hand, and enlisted into the Wisconsin Army National Guard uh, in, in July. Because you seem like you're very studious. So with a high, with a higher GT, you chose field artillery? Yeah, no, and my, my GT scores were good. I think about 124. Uh, my ASVAB score was a 98. Um I really wanted, uh, I wanted aviation, but uh, I'm not a small guy by any means, uh, six foot three. And, you know, I, I, I was built for field artillery. Uh, so when I went into the recruiter's office, they kind of laughed, laughed when I said that I wanted to go into aviation and, um, you know, the next best option was going to be field artillery. I, you know, I said, I wanted to blow things up one way or the other. And so field artillery was the, uh, was the choice. So then a couple months later, then September 11 happened. And of course, like where I'm sitting right now, we're actually overlooking where the Twin Towers once stood. And it was a, it was a very, it changed my whole life that day. So talk to us about that and, and your, your mindset and everything that happened after that. Yeah, I, I think anybody that lived through that, it, it changed their lives, especially, you know, those that had already been in the military or were thinking about it. Um, you know, for me, what I thought was going to be, you know, four easy years of one week in a month and two weeks in the summer quickly changed to uh, the reality that we were going to war. Um, so, you know, when I went to basic training that next summer, um, some of the SF guys had already been in Afghanistan. We knew that there was a little bit of the things just starting to kick off. Um, but Iraq had just hadn't really quite had started yet. So when I was finishing up basic training, that's when we all knew that um, you know, the reports were coming out about the weapons of mass destruction and uh, the deployments to Iraq were going to be were going to start happening. So um, it was you knew right away that it was just a matter of time before your your name got called and you were going to be going over. And it didn't take long. I was out there by 2004. And um, back then. It was still just tent city if you were lucky. There was nothing built up. There was no gyms, no movie theaters. It was just sand and then more sand. Yeah, so it, uh, when we first got to Kuwait, we spent a couple of days in Doha, which was, was really nice. Um, then we went up to Arifjan, which at the time, it was just a, a sand berm and a couple of tents. 
Um, I've talked to people afterwards that talk about how big Eric John got and it just boggles my mind. Um, and then finally, you know, as we made our way up into Baghdad, um, you know, we, we got to stay in a little trailer, but I mean, it was pretty much just a little, little conics that we were in. Uh, but yeah, definitely no uh, creature comforts until the, the latter half of the, the deployment. Now, did you have any contact? Very little. Um, I, I was fortunate in one aspect that uh, I was what was called a fobbit. Although, you know, we were still in that early stages where, you know, you convoyed up, we convoyed up in uh, soft skin Humvees. Uh, you know, our first IED uh, was about four miles after we crossed into country. Uh, had a couple of uh, small run-ins on the way up. And then from there, it was dodging IDF for that entire year that I was out, out, that I was out there. Okay, so then you come back home and then you get deployed again. But now this was more on the home front. You were uh, doing border patrol. What was that like? That that was probably a lifesaver. I didn't come back, um, you know, uh, in the best position. You know, the, the deployment and then came home and there were some family problems. And this deployment was uh, perfect. You know, brought me down to southern Arizona. Um, I, you know, they stuck me in a radio room, which was uh, for the first two months, which was absolute hell. Uh, but afterwards, they, they realized that, uh, you know, I was an action type of a person. And they're like, hey, you want to go out to the desert with some, some of these agents and help them plan sensors, uh, you know, on these, on these trails? I'm like, absolutely. So, um, yeah, that was the next year was uh, running through the hills of southern Arizona with some Border Patrol agents and uh, helping them plant uh, some ground sensors. So now, how many years did you do 12 12- uh, Guard ended up doing 12 years. Um, so did the first six with Wisconsin Guard, did the mission down in Arizona. And as that came to an end, that's when I got hired with the sheriff's office. And then I interstate transferred down to Arizona National Guard. So now talk to me. Now, were you married at this time? Single? No, still single. Um, and while I was finishing up that uh, border mission is when I met my, you know, later to be wife. Um, and we so we started dating at that time. Uh, so, uh, you know, a couple of years later, we got married. And that's when I was uh, already working with the sheriff's office. And she's been with me now for coming on 12 years. So when you got out of the military, were you married or single? Married. Yeah. Okay, so let me ask you a question, because, you know, I find that the people that are successful in life, um, you know, because like a lot of times when guys, girls get out of the military, you know, even though we're, you know, uh, all hoo hoo and hardcore and all that good stuff, um, we get used to getting paid on the 1st and the 15th. We get used to getting SGLI. We get used to having a steady paycheck. And then. Well, I guess because the National Guard's a little bit different because you're still working as a uh, deputy, but also in a National Guard, so you're kind of you had a career in a way. Mm-hmm. But you know, a lot of guys don't have that hard conversation sitting a- across the table with their wife about you know even if, whether it's business or whether it's getting out of the military, and they usually wait until the last minute till the shit hits the fan. And then they could talk to their wife. So what was that conversation like when you were sitting across this table? You know, you got 13 years in. Yeah. And, you know, it's usually once you 
finish the first 10, you know, if, if you get past that, you're like, I must, I might as well do the whole bitch. So what was that conversation like at that table when you decided to get out? So our, our first son had already been born. He was, he was young. Um, my, my career in law enforcement had been going extremely well. Um, I was going to be up for a promotion, um, to Sergeant, um, she was pregnant with, uh, our second child and it was right towards the, uh, my ETS date and the national guard unit that I was with in Arizona, uh, they got mobilization orders for Afghanistan. And that was, that was, uh, when the other conversation happened, it was, you know, I, I, because of when I ETS, I didn't have to go. And I had to, you know, look her in the eye and tell her that, okay, I'm, uh, you know, I, I would be voluntarily volunteering to go to Afghanistan um, when I didn't have to, as well as, you know, while it wouldn't have affected my career in law enforcement, it definitely wouldn't have helped by any means either. Uh, so I'm, it was just, I think, the right place, the right time. Uh, you know, I was getting older, uh, getting fatter for sure. Uh, PT tests weren't getting any easier. So it's just like, you know what, I, this is this is the right time. So, you know, the two highest, you know, people, you know, two highest um, professions, professions that have suicide rates are military and police officers. Mm -hmm. You did both. (laughs) And sometimes at the same time. So, you know, when you retired from being a police officer, um. Did you notice anything was off mentally or did, were you okay with? Oh, no, uh, definitely was not okay. Um, and then my departure from law enforcement was, um, definitely not the, uh, pomp and circumstance that I would have hoped for. Um, it was definitely a, a, uh, politically fueled situation, um, that resulted in about two years of litigation, um, and so that that it was the mental toll on me was was tremendous, and definitely that 2016 time frame was uh, some of the darkest uh, that I'd gone through. Um, but you know, yeah, like, like, like anything, it's, it's, like my ahead. friend Michael Segru, um, he he was involved in a shooting, and they had to go through like two years of litigation and all that. I mean, they, they found him, you know, not guilty, but just having to go through that stuff mentally yeah, kind of just really, really wore on him. And that sometimes he got very dark and, and suicidal. Did you ever get to have those thoughts and ideations? Uh, yeah, it, it did. Um, you know, especially as in the roller coasters of the litigation would go through, um, it did. And that's, that was actually the time, um, when I finally got pushed to the VA to finally start getting some help because, um, you know, having gone into law enforcement, you know, going and getting mental help was not something that was going to be possible. If I had started to receive counseling, uh, that would have, uh, likely put me on the rubber gun squad and, you know, onto desk duty. So, um, if anything, maybe that was kind of the, the, the best option for it because, you know, it got me out of that situation. Um, Lord knows I would not want to be in law enforcement right now. 
And, you know, I was, I was fam- finally able to start talking to some people and, you know, working through some of these issues that had built up since 2004, pretty much. Okay. So now you have to tell me, you know, cause then you moved to California, right? Yeah. And you worked for a defense, defense contractor. What was that like? So it wasn't the first job that I got out in California. Uh, I, I started working with a, uh, a criminal defense law firm for a little bit, which uh, it was good. The pay was amazing and definitely enabled me to move out here to California because it's not cheap. Um, but it sucked the soul out of me. And I was having to talk and deal with, you know, the same people that I had just been arresting and throwing in, in jail. So uh, that didn't last very long. Um, then I found a company that uh, it was right up my alley, you know, with my tech background. Uh, this company builds uh, you know, ultra rugged computers for the military. Uh, so, you know, we're doing things like, you know, laptops and tablets and server equipment. Uh, so, you know, it, it, was, it was perfect for me, you know, because it, it got my military experience coupled with my tech background. And uh, it, it's where I'm still working at right now. And even as, you know, my, my company's starting to, to, to really kick off, uh, it's a place that I wouldn't want to leave. It's just, it's a, it's a fun gig. All right. So then let me ask you, now we're going to start talking about business. Um, you know, because I've noticed now, like I said, I, now I've interviewed, oh, I don't even know, uh, hundreds of people now on the podcast. And usually when guys or girls get out of the military, they want to start a company. So they start a t-shirt hat <laughs> coffee, and I get the same response that everybody laughs because they know it's true. But six months later, they're 10 grand in debt and don't know what the hell just happened because they heard some guy on a video. I'm not going to mention his name telling them you got to go all in on your business. And they don't realize that, you know, you have to have a regular job, to get sometimes get your side hustle started right so tell us about now because of course you know if we don't have that conversation with our wife before we start these businesses sometime down the road down the line when shit hits the fan we're gonna have to have that conversation and it's not gonna be pretty so right the day when you're like hey honey uh i want to start a business what do you think so uh it would have been late may of 2020 so covid had just well covid had shut down california already you know the rest of the country was definitely starting to slow down and shut down and so i was working from home and i I worked from home for about six months in 2020 and i i just i had a lot more free time on my hands and you know um free time means that my mind goes a million different places and um, you know, right now I'm, I'm working in business development and doing, you know, sales to the government. And so I've got a sales mentality and like, what could I sell? You know, I'm starting to think, I'm like, I, I'd like to start a business. You know, I, I tried it when I was a kid, you know, I've tried slinging t-shirts and, you know, doing all the other typical, you know, uh, military veteran uh, side hustles. Like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to try to do something here that uh is is truly unique i don't i don't want to be you know the next article 15 i don't want to be the next ranger up or uh black rifle coffee company you know i, I want to do something that nobody else is doing um 
I want to actually solve a problem that exists, uh, find a pain point that I can relate to and create a company around that. And so that's where everything started. And so when I pitched the idea to my wife, she's like, okay, cool. We'll just don't get us in debt. And uh, so that's where everything started. And, you know, I can totally relate because, like, my wife, she's amazing. She handles all the checking accounts. She handles all the money. It's really amazing. She's so gifted at it. And me, I'm just like, I was just like, hey, you know, there's a couple hundred bucks. Why not? Until the, until the bill came in. And she's like, hey, slow down here, Junior. You know, so because she actually has the, the smarts to say, all right, this is what we need to do. So how is it, you know, because I know how hard it is starting a business with no money. So how did you go about doing that the first couple of weeks and months of starting your business? So I took about a grand out of savings and I, you know, that's what was going to be my, my, uh, my initial funds for it. You know, my, my, my investment into the company, you know, I, I knew that I didn't want to use any credit cards. I wasn't going to take out any loans. Um, I wanted to bootstrap my way through this. So um, you know, it's, it's been slow growth. It's been, you know, I, I make $10 and I put every $10 back into the business. And even still to this point, I still haven't paid myself a penny. Um, but, you know, it's, it's been able for me to get to this point with still being completely debt free and not owing anybody anything, not having any in investors or, you know, equity in the company. I haven't had to dilute anything. It's, it's me. So what is the name of the company and what is your mission? Uh, so I, the company is called Quezon Shaving Company. Um, it was originally, uh, the, the product was, was going to be a shaving soap. That was the problem that I was going to solve is, you know, going back to when I was in the army and you're out on an FTX or you're out on deployment and you've got to shave you know, we didn't have some of the creature comforts that you typically have back at home or back at garrison. You dry shaved. Yeah, it sucked. Um, it sucked. You and and like, that's what I wanted to solve. I, it you know, looked so, like you were in a knife fight sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. So that so that's what I wanted to solve. And uh, so the shaving soap was essentially the invention that kicked everything off. And it's not an invention that I invented. I mean, it's the original way to shave, you know, prior to the shaving creams and the gels and the aerosols that we have right now that create this little bit of convenience for us. Shaving soap has been the way that, you know, uh, everybody's been doing it for hundreds of years. So uh, that's where it started off. Tack to shave was going to be my original idea for the company name. Um, but that was uh, a horrible idea. And I'm glad I had some advice to not use that. Um, so I tapped back into my artillery roots and Quezon uh, Shaving Company was born out of that, you know, being Quezon's um, were the, the wagons that would bring the artillery ammunition into battle. So, you know, talk to us about you know, because you are a little bit more tech, you're very tech savvy and I'm a low tech redneck. So tell me about how you first started marketing on little to no budget. Um, that was the, the very, very fortunate thing is I, I did my website myself. Um, the initial marketing material was everything. I did it myself. Um, so that helped out tremendously because that's a, that's a huge initial cost. 
so I was able to get, uh, you know, an up and running functioning website that looked well and was able to ser serve as my direct to consumer platform, my e-commerce platform uh, for the initial parts of it. Uh, so the, the, the tech background definitely helped a lot. But now, you know, everybody, you know, because like people, I tell everybody, you know, you can have a podcast, but just because it is on Amazon doesn't mean people are going to listen to it. And just because you have a website, people are not going to just show up to it. So how did you market on a uh, shoestring? Exactly what I'm doing right now. Um, connecting with the right communities, um, the right people, and telling my story. Um, I, I looked at some of my competition and what the, my competition did well. And the story, the brand is something that you really buy into. Um, I'm not trying to be the next bro veteran company by any means, but I definitely wanted to be able to tap into this, this extremely tight knit community. And so that's where a lot of it started from was just social media, um, you know, going through the different veteran uh, business groups um, and connecting with um, the different podcast hosts and then other uh, like veteran launchpad programs like um, uh, Warrior Rising and the the VBOX Center out of the Small Business Administration and, uh, you know, just getting all the tools and resources that I could uh, in this new all digital era. And, you know, cause a lot of people think, you know, just because I start a business that all of a sudden I'm going to be successful and they don't realize the work you have to put into it. You know, they say that, you know, an entrepreneur is a guy or girl that's willing to work a hundred hours a week for themselves. So they don't have to work 40 hours a week for somebody else, you know? So now, how do you, um, what is your day like? Because I know a lot of people you know, they, that are working on their business, and, but they also work for somebody else. So how do you break up your day? And also, because I know you're a great family man, how do you put it all together? Uh, days are usually starting at 6 a.m., um, I, I usually take the first 30 minutes for me time. Um, and that could just be, you know, my little bit of, um, little bit of video games, you know, uh, it could be sitting down and, and enjoying a cup of coffee or making myself, uh, you know, badass bacon and eggs breakfast. Um, but then from there, you know, it's, it's off to first job, um, First job is is 100 miles an hour for that entire day. And once I hang up the hat at 5 p.m., it's putting on another hat. I get home as soon as I can and immediately start checking the website, checking orders, starting to fulfill things. Um, but at the same time, figuring out how I can incorporate uh, family time with it. So uh, both of my boys, they are uh, my first employees. And, you know, they're young. They're nine and seven. But... Dear God, they're good at folding boxes and, you know, uh, stamping out my company logo if I need to put them on the boxes or, you know, small little menial tasks like that. But, you know, still having as much time and involvement as I can with them. So, okay. So now what do you do? I mean, because like I'm a big video game guy. 
that's the thing that calms my mind. Um, and I do that normally before I go. I, I, I play NASCAR. I'm a big NASCAR guy. And that's what calms my, calms my soul. But what do you do for self-care? Um, so video game definitely had been and always has been uh, probably my, my number one. Um, I had gotten really big into golf uh, back in my law enforcement time. Um, that started back up. And it's something that I've been doing a couple times a week. Um, but just anything to get away from a screen um, is, is I think, important right now. Um, so, you know, video games is great, but I'm already glued behind a computer for, you know, 13 hours a day. Yeah. So getting myself away from that's important. So if you know, if there's somebody out there that's struggling right now, with their own mental health, you know, with you being in military and also the police department, what is something that they can do to get some help? Figure out your resources, Um, find resources. Uh, The resourcefulness is, is I think, the most important um, trait and characteristic of veterans themselves. Um, That's the most important thing right off of the get-go. I I, I would hate saying, you know, turn to your friends or your family or or something on the lines of that, because that might not always be there. Um, You know, if it's the VA, if it's whatever you have available, utilize it. Use every single tool at your disposal. Um, do something, but sitting in uh, your own self-misery is not going to help anything with it. Find something, find someone that will help pull you through it. Um, If it's an activity, great. Um, If it's something as simple as counseling and talking it through with somebody, fine. Um, But figure out what your resources are. That's the the first thing you're going to have to do. Okay, I love that. Now, the last two questions I'm going to ask, but then I'm going to have another question for you, just because you're special. Uh, So how do people find you? How do they order your shaving products? Um, How do we support your mission? So uh, I've got the website up for uh, direct-to-consumer, www.caisson-shaving.com. You can find me on every social media platform there is. Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, you name it, uh, I'm out there. Uh, uh, and also, uh, just this week uh, was a, a pretty big step for us, too, is uh, we're now completely live on Amazon as well. Uh, so if you want to enjoy the quick Amazon uh, Prime shipping, uh, just Google Quezon Shaving Company, and you'll be able to find our shaving soaps up there right now. Um, and then later in the year our shaving brushes and uh, razors will be going live on Amazon as well. All right. So now the last two questions, I usually only ask two, but for you, I'm going to ask three because I have something's um, on my heart. Um, So last, you know, second question is if you know somebody that's struggling with their business, what is something they they can do today? Because, you know, we're such a crazy world. We got parents and grandparents homeschooling kids. Some parents are just driving Uber, just trying to pay the bills now. 
So if I ask the average person to do something in seven days, they're probably never going to get to it. But if I ask somebody to take a certain step in 24 hours, they're more likely to take that step. So what can somebody do in the next 24 hours if their business is not where it should be that they can start to right the ship? God, that's a good question. And uh, there's a million things that are coming to mind. But I think that the first thing is you assess your priorities. If, is this a business that you're reliant and dependent on for your well-being? Uh, that would greatly impact that answer versus if this is a side hustle. Um, you know, if this is something that you need to pay your bills with, your livelihood is depending on it. Um, in all honesty, you need to start looking at, um, you know, what are you able to do to uh, bring in some more dough with it? Um, you know, if, if your company alone is not cutting it, then what else is out, out there? What are some other resources for you? Uh, if the business is not growing the way you want to, what are some resources to make that better? Um, you know, I touched on it a little bit ago, but for our, our veteran community, if you're a veteran looking to start a business or if you're having struggles with some of the nuances in starting a business, there are some amazing programs out there that can help you with that. Um, you know, it, it, Warrior Rising is something that every single veteran entrepreneur needs to look up. Um, and just something as simple as, you know, a, a familiarity in an operations order that's translated on how to set up a business plan is an amazingly useful tool with it. Um, but go out there, find the resources that are out there to help us and, you know, fight, keep fighting. Okay. Last question I'm going to ask because it was on my heart. Talk, tell me a little bit about your faith. And, you know, they say that if, you don't feel close to God. You're the one that moved. So if there's somebody struggling with their faith, what is something somebody can do to get closer to God? So this might be a, a, a very unpopular opinion with it. Um, I grew up in an extremely religious home. I was uh, baptized and uh, went through my first communion as a Catholic. I uh, was confirmed as a Lutheran and re-baptized as a Baptist. And um, I definitely, without a doubt, uh, like you said, moved away from God. Um, so on the one end, I love and value the message of, of how do I put this? The wholesomeness of the religion. Um, I might not personally believe in, in, in a higher being with it, but the faith and the wholesomeness with it, um, that's, that's a different story. So if, if you find strength and if you find comfort and if you find direction in your religion or your, uh, a greater being with it, embrace it and love it. Absolutely. Um, it might not be something that I necessarily subscribe to, but if that's for you, then go for it. I love that, brother. So, guys, if you're listening to this, definitely check out my brother Travis at Kason Shaving Company. Definitely check him out. He's got some amazing products. Um, guys, if you have a chance, check out my brother Malachi. 
um, for at a Warriors Garden. If you're in Tennessee, you know anybody that's struggling with it, with any suicidal ideations, depression, PTSD, definitely check them out. Travis, brother, it was great talking to you today. Um, you know, now that we've talked, you know, I consider you a friend and a family member. And if I can support you and your family in any way I can, just let me know. As well, Richard, and uh, definitely when you make yourself out to Orange County, uh, make your way out here to Orange County, you got to hook me up or look look me up and I'll hook you up. All right. So, like I said, this will go on a couple of weeks and I'm going to I'll promote it everywhere and I'll let you know when it's going to be out. Sounds good, man. And you got to talk to me about these uh, sponsorship opportunities as well, too. Oh, definitely. We'll definitely talk offline. All right, man. All right, brother. God bless. Yeah. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.